Hey there, Radiant Souls. It's your host, Gina Kunadian, bursting with excitement to welcome you back to season two of the Shine Within podcast. You've been with me through our incredible first season, and now it's time to crank up the intensity. You know me, your energetic cheerleader, a mom of three fabulous boys, an empowering certified massage therapist, and the game-changing alcohol-free sobriety coach. With my trademark enthusiasm, I'm here to uplift more motivated women to break free from the chains of alcohol dependency. And guess what? We're still defining the norms with our unique non-traditional approach. Get ready to supercharge your transformation as I bring you an all-new lineup of awe-inspiring guests this season. They're the powerhousers in the realms of mindset, health, and spirituality. And they're all set up to equip you with potent tips and tools. We're talking about crafting unyielding confidence, honing laser-focused clarity, and infusing your life with exhilarating energy. This season, our mission is to ignite your creative potential to even greater heights, helping you to manifest the life of your dreams, all while living vibrantly, alcohol-free. So buckle up as we journey deeper into the realm of self-discovery, awakening the inner magnificence that's ready to burst forth. Season 2 of Shine Within is about to take you to new horizons. Get ready to experience your true power and unleash your brilliance. So if you are ready to shine even brighter, welcome. Hey, lovely listeners. If you're finding value in what you're hearing today, make sure to head over to the show notes. Not only will you find more details on today's topic, but you'll also get an exclusive invitation to join my free Facebook group, Awakened Souls. This community is perfect for women who are either sober curious or currently journeying through recovery. Being part of Awakened Souls offers a supportive environment where you can connect with like-minded women, all working towards an alcohol-free lifestyle. Plus, there are special free gifts waiting for you inside the show notes, curated specifically to empower and assist you on your journey. If you're loving the content, I'd be also so grateful if you take a moment to rate this podcast. Your feedback helps me continue bringing you the conversations and insights you love. Let's keep the momentum going. And remember, you're not alone on this journey. I am here for you every step of the way. Welcome back to the Shine Within podcast. In this inspiring episode, we are joined by the remarkable Sabine Gideon, an author, speaker, and executive career and leadership strategist with a wealth of experience in guiding clients across both startups and Fortune 500 companies. As the CEO of Gideon Enterprises and the founder of She Leads Network, Sabine has dedicated her career to empowering women and emerging leaders, helping them break through mental barriers to grow in confidence, influence, and impact. Tune in as Sabine shares her journey from being an eager corporate professional to a visionary leader and how her professional experiences shaped her passion for supporting women through critical career transitions. Prepare to be inspired by her insights on developing a growth mindset, overcoming challenges, and creating a life of purpose and empowerment. Sabine, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so happy you're on my show. <laughs> Gina, I, I, I'm honored. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And, you know, Sabine, with your impressive experience and career and leadership, what motivated you to dedicate your expertise in empowering women and upcoming leaders? Yeah, that in and itself was was a journey. Um, so I am an immigrant from Haiti. I came here when I was just shy of four 
uh, first generation graduate, started in corporate America, like I was going to climb the the ropes, um, got into corporate America first 10 years uh, of my career, it was steady, like I was taking on all the, you know, challenging opportunities, I wanted to grow eager beaver, started to realize that, you know, there was a distinction between those who worked really hard and those who knew how to navigate corporate America. And I did not know how to navigate corporate America. And I started looking at my male colleagues, uh, particularly, I, I like to call them Bob. Um, so, you know, for anyone who's listening, who's named Bob, like no, no offense here, but I started observing Bob and there was something different about Bob because you know what, Bob got his work done for the most part, right? But he was advancing at a rate that I was just like, I don't get it. I'm here 60 hours. I'm doing all the dots. Uh, dots are development opportunities that suck, uh, for those of you who don't know that. And yet I'm still not advancing. And once I started observing Bob, I recognized that there was a strategy uh, and there was an unwritten rule to corporate America. And that was not only do you do the work, but you make sure that your manager, your manager's manager and anyone else who will listen knows the work that you're doing, the value that you're bringing and what you do next. And so in observing uh, my, you know, my male counterparts, I was just like, oh, I'm going to start to do that. And that's where things started shifting for me in terms of seeking out mentorship, uh, building relationships with sponsors uh, throughout my career. Fast forward, 2016, I finally get my dream job, what, was, what I thought was going to be my dream job, which was a human HR business partner. And in less than six months, I realized that this was not <laughs> what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And it was actually really devastating at the time, simply because the type A in me, I didn't have a plan B. I only had plan A. And for 10 years, I drove hard towards that plan A. And so when I finally got what I thought was going to be the pinnacle of success, only to realize that it wasn't what I wanted, I, I had outgrown the 22, 23-year-old version of me, and I didn't have any any vision beyond what I was doing, it was a scary place to be. So I did some self-reflection, asked myself two critical questions. When have I felt the most alive? And when have I felt the most impactful? And that's when I was sitting across from internal candidates, having conversations about their career, helping them map it out, and then reverse engineering all of the steps, projects, roles that they needed to take to get there. And then it was when I was sitting behind closed doors with leaders and I got to see the human side of them, um, the vulnerability, like the no cape was on, no bravado, no ego. And it made me realize that, you know, leaders in organizations, maybe more so then than now, I mean, middle managers still need support, but overall, I felt like they were the most underserved in the organization because they were expected to have all the answers. They were expected to just get stuff done. And their humanity was often, you know, left out the door because they were quote unquote, the boss, or they were being paid well to do what they did. And so when I decided to make the leap into entrepreneurship about five and a half years ago, I decided that's who I wanted to serve. I could relate to them. I could get them to be vulnerable. And I also understood the downward impact when the leader was healthy. And when I say healthy, I mean that mentally, emotionally, spiritually, everything, you saw it reflected in the team. You saw it reflected down in the organization. Um, and so that's what I started to do. It wasn't until the pandemic, actually, where... I started to feel this deeper tug that I needed to 
not shift, but focused in on supporting women. Uh, this was a time where during the great resignation, you know, the conversation around women having to leave the workforce, to be caretakers, to be school teachers, to be all these things, right? And at the time, it, it was almost like the lack of appreciation for the weight women carried in society. And that was coming from society, from the media, from everything else, but it was also coming from us. And that triggered me and that angered me in a way that I said, uh-uh, we are too powerful. Um, you know, as, from a, a Christian perspective, um, that was the belief that I, I held at the time. From a Christian perspective, when you, when you saw the original command, it was have dominion and it was given to both male and female. And I just refused to accept that we were, I was part of a society in which women didn't know who they were. Women didn't have a voice and they were okay with abdicating their right to their voice and to their power and to their leadership. So that's that, that's what the pandemic did for me. It spurred me into action to want to just help more women find their voice, exercise their power, embrace their power and make the change and impact that they want to see in the world. Yeah, that was beautifully said. Yes, I remember during that time for myself, this is where I, during 2020, where we're all stuck at home. This was a time where I was able to also self-reflect and then really start looking at, hey, what does Gina like to do? <laughs> you know, because we're so used to in the work field being told what to do, what time it should be done by and how to do it. But when I remember when I was in 2020, I was like, you know, let me try different things that I may enjoy. You know, I hated cooking before. <laughs> I would just make mac and cheese and I think that was it. <laughs> and then it, in 2020, I also got married uh, to my husband and he's Indian. So, I mean, that type of cooking is very challenging. And so what do I do right away? Start learning how to cook Indian food, the most difficult freaking food <laughs> ever. And I'm just like, let me try it. But then I discovered a joy for it. You know, I was like, wow, I, I love cooking. And I started reading more books and I started like learning different things. And I'm like, wow, I, I'm enjoying life kind of just being at home, learning about myself and the different gifts that we have. And I feel that a lot of the women are actually leaving corporate America because they want to start their own businesses because they've they've had that time probably to reflect and say, hey, you know, I don't. I want to do things that I want to do. I want to help other women as well, or, you know, do perhaps either in the coaching realm or it could be an instructor, mentor, whichever it is. But I, I wanted to ask you about uh, how, so what was the actual defining experience that led you to establish the Gideon Enterprises and create yeah. the She Lead Network? Yeah, so Gideon Enterprises was literally birthed uh, once I realized I went home one day after like being at the job. This was after I got the dream job. And I was just like, this can't be life. Like I literally <laughs> was just like, at the time, I think I was 34. I was just like, I have 30 more years to work. Like I cannot do this for the next 30 years. And mind you, in that, in that time, I, the job that I had gotten, I had been relocated. So I was in my comfortable Connecticut that I had lived in most of my life since coming here from Haiti. And then they relocated me. And so here was another dynamic where I was just like, oh my gosh, I took this job. I uprooted my entire life. Like I broke ties with, or people broke ties with me uh, more so. And here I was, and it just felt like a big fat mistake. And I didn't know how to resolve it. And it just was a, it, it was a season in my life where I, I had to turn within, like that was all that I had. And that's when I was just like, okay, Sabine, 
you have a unique set of skills. And mind you, I had, I had started a business or a business it was more of a hobby. Uh, cause nobody was paying me doing <laughs> career coaching, resume writing before. And so it was one of those thoughts where I was just like, okay, I've already done this. I put it out there. I've gotten a few clients, not well-paying clients. What if I went all in? What if I went all in into this? That's when I got a business coach. Um, I started taking courses and doing all of the things. And so that the, the day that I realized that I couldn't do this for 30 years was the catalyst for that. She Leads Network, I thought initially, I was just going through this a couple months ago. I thought She Leads Network was something that came to me, you know, like at, as inspiration back in like 2020, maybe late 2019. Literally a month ago, I was, go I was pulling something up where I was looking for something for a client and I found a document that was like, she leads network and I pulled it up. It was from 2017 and it was focused on ambitious millennial women who wanted to grow and develop. And so the funny thing is it's, you know, six years later, it's evolved to who it's serving, but the foundation is still the same. It's a space where women like me who are ambitious, who are driven, who, um, you know, desire to leave an impact in the world, who are very purpose-driven, want to come together, want to share resources, want to be supportive with, with, with each other and really change the world. Um, and so now the difference is I'm obviously older. I am targeting women who are um, at the executive level, who, you know, who have the means and the capacity to be able to do it. Not that I'm saying millennial women don't, uh, we do, but it's just the, the doors that I've walked through now have allowed me to be in other networks that now that's kind of where I, I want to build. Yeah, I know. I'm right at the cusp. I'm like Gen X, I guess it's called. <laughs> yeah, so 80 uh anything between before 80 is gen x or okay so i'm 81 so oh, okay. so you're a millennial <laughs> i'm a millennial, you're, a millennial. <laughs> you're they call us uh geriatric millennials actually oh, okay <laughs> yeah because yeah, one of my clients for massage uh one of my private clients he was like he's maybe born 1990 something and I'm like oh you're just a baby but then he was like but you're born in 1981 so you're a millennial too I'm like oh okay well, <laughs> so I thought I was Gen X but I guess yeah thanks for clarifying that welcome we embrace yeah. you yeah <laughs> Now, talking about uh, career transitions, what are some most common hurdles women actually face and how do you actually guide them through these challenges? Yeah, great question. So first and foremost, it, go, it always starts with self-belief, right? Like we will work ourselves to the bone. We will get the fives on the performance reviews. We will be on the high potential list. Everyone will speak our praises and in, in, inside our head, it's not good enough. Um, I didn't do that. They're just being nice. Oh, I'm the only woman. And so that imposter syndrome, everything else that, you know, most people talk about, like that is the thing that is the biggest hindrance. Because what I've noticed in, in myself, in the women I coach, in the women in my community is that once a woman, and we can say this for any human being, right? Because the human will is so strong. But once a woman makes a decision, that she wants to go down a particular path, there's no stopping her. The thing that stops us in any capacity is our lack of belief that we are worthy, that we're deserving, or that we have what it takes, or that we can trust in the process to get to what it is that we need to, to get to or do. 
And so that is always the first thing, right? Let's, let's work on that mindset. Let's work on that belief system. What do you truly believe about you? And a huge part of that, you know, uh, the people who come to me are like, oh, I want to start a business or I want to become an executive. And that's great. We're going to do all that, but we're going to do this first. Once you can answer two questions, who am I and what do I want? And the reason why I have them answer that question is because as you know, every who we are is what we manifest in the world. And we can, we can, you know, be modeling things that we've seen, but not really manifesting us. And I feel like that is the, that is the purpose that we each have in this earth, that we get to be who we are and share who we are with the world. So when I ask the question, who are you? Um, I let my clients strip down. Oh, I'm a mother. I'm a daughter. I'm a wife. I'm a dad. We get through all the, all the titles, all the roles, all the identities that we've picked up along the way till we get to the core of who are you in answering that question, where it's truly you defining the essence of your being of what you believe to be true about yourself. Sometimes there's an answer beyond, behind all of those other answers. And then sometimes the answer is simply, I don't know. And I think that that is the greatest answer because then we get to create, we get to establish based on the second question. Well, what do you want? And so from there, once we've stripped everything else, people get to see, or the women get to see, oh, wait, did I want to be in corporate America because I wanted to be in corporate America or climb the ladder? Or was that just because that's what my father told me I needed to do? Or that's what the expectation is, or because I'm the breadwinner of the family that, you know, I'm meant to, like I had figured I had to do this. And so I think so many of us are walking through life, unfortunately, just because of our condition based on an identity or a label or a truth for somebody else versus getting to the core of who we are, what it is that we want to do. Because as you know, you know, when you show up as your authentic self and whatever it is that you're doing, magic happens. The impact is amplified. Your ability to touch people at a level that is so far greater than, you know, the massage that they're getting is, is ridiculous, right? Like you're speaking life into people as you're doing that. So those are some of the hurdles, right? And that's, <laughs> I say that as like, oh, that's a little one, but that's the majority of where we spend the time because it takes time to reprogram beliefs. It takes time to reprogram our thoughts about ourselves. And once they're, once they've gotten through that, then we build out the strategy. What do you want to do? Where, what, what environment, what work, what job, what clients, who are the ones who are deserving of you? Yes, I was going to say the mindset is where it really start has to start. Like, yeah, who am I and what do I want to do? I remember doing a practice called the uh, five levels of why. why. Why, why do I want to do this? Why, 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 why? And it came down to I just want to be in service for others so that way they can also be in service for others and just spread the love. Like, <laughs> I always want the earth to have love. <laughs> so, yes, that was me too. Like, when I was back in my drinking, um, there was no recovery coach or sobriety coach, none that I've, not that I've seen anyway. I actually sought out a mindset coach. Mm -hmm. And that mindset coach taught me so much about limiting beliefs, reframing your thoughts, you know, talking differently to yourself, changing your story, all these different techniques. Mm -hmm. And I learned, but I had to practice them. <laughs> and I had to practice, practice and practice. Even when I would tell myself something negative, I'm like, oh, nope. 
don't entertain that thought in your head, get it out yeah. <laughs> and start thinking the opposite, you know? And so that's helped me so much, but overcoming mental blocks is definitely crucial in the professional environment. And speaking of like uh, the whole growth mindset, can you actually share some insights on developing a growth mindset and how it's uh, crucial for achieving success in both professional and personal life? Yeah, great question. So, you know, we're talking mindset and I I know everybody in the coaching space knows what mindset is because we know that literally mindset is 80% of our success in anything. But I also know that in the corporate space like that, that's not as necessary or that's not necessarily spoken about. So mindset are the set set of beliefs that you hold true for yourself, right? So we each have different set of beliefs. So, you know, we've been told that the sky is blue. And enough people believe that the sky is blue that when we're little kids, we're told, okay, that's what it is. So when you think about a belief that we hold deep in, like deep within ourselves, it's stuff like that. It's the sky is blue. But then there are other um, messages and there are other beliefs that we adopt based on, you know, our time between zero and seven. So all of our beliefs are established between the age of zero and seven. So conception to the age seven. It's like our subconscious mind is recording everything, everything it sees, everything it touches, everything it feels. So think of the five senses, right? So anything that's coming through the five senses, the subconscious mind is recording. And then somewhere around like eight, nine-ish, it's like, all right, I'm full, basically. <laughs> and then it just starts going on autopilot. And for a very long time, you know, we're, we're recreating the same relationships that we had in our household. You know, we're recreating like the same types of behaviors that we experience in our, like at school with our friends and everything else until we get to a point and we're in our career and we're kind of like, wait a minute, why am I doing this? Which is why we go to that question of who am I? But our beliefs are so ingrained in who we are. And so for the difference between like a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset is people with a growth mindset believe that they can learn anything, even if it's hard, even if it's new, even if it's difficult, they take it with the approach that somebody's done it. So maybe I can find it on YouTube. Maybe I can find it in a book. Maybe there's a coach out there, or if they fail at something, then it's not like, oh my gosh, I failed. The, like I'm, I'm a failure and I'm, you know, I'm going into this dark hole. It's no, I didn't get the outcome that I wanted to get, but I learned a few things. So next time I go back to it, I'm going to make some tweaks. And so it's very much a learner's mindset. It's very much, you know, everything that I do. And I always quote Thomas Edison, when I do my growth mindset trainings, he says, I have not failed 10,000 10, times. I've found 10,000 ways that don't work. And so that is what a growth mindset looks like. So depending on where you are, you know, whatever it is that you have going on, we've been taught in school, like, especially if you grew up in, in the Western uh, civilization, it's, you know, you, you do good, you get a gold star, you do good, you get an A, you do good, you get a plaque or a trophy or whatever. So from school, like four or five preschool, we are conditioned that you do something, you get a good grade. You don't do it right. You get punished. You get an F. You are a failure. You're all these things. And so sometimes we go through life and, and you can still have a growth mindset and, and have this aversion to, to failure, but we go through life and something doesn't work out and we don't make the thing bad or wrong. We make ourselves bad or wrong. 
And that belief system is rooted in whatever you experience as a child. So all that to say for the backdrop of when you think about the growth mindset, it's are you the type of person when things don't go your way? Do you, you know, give up and say, oh, it's always been that way, or it's never going to work out, or I'm not meant to have this, or are you, you know what, I've never done it before, but I'm willing to try, or you know what, I failed the last time, but I learned two things that I'm going to try and I'm going to test it out this time and do it this way. And so that's what separates that growth mindset. And I, I quote Steve Jobs, or I use Steve Jobs as an example as well. I mean, he may have his faults but he is a living embodiment of someone with a growth mindset because all those engineers that kept coming back and was like, we can't do it. We can't do it. He's like, yes, you can. Yes, you can. And yet, yes, he lived in his little world of delusion, but he believed that it was possible and was not willing to take the failure as the absolute. And now, you know, the world has essentially changed as a result of his growth mindset. Yes. It reminds me of a, all things are possible. <laughs> yes. The Bible verse, is it Philippians something? I forget. 413. <laughs> oh, you know. Yay. <laughs> yes. Um, but going back to like, you reminded me of like my childhood. <laughs> I had like flashback all over. <laughs> so my third grade teacher, and I've mentioned her, I mentioned about her on my podcast before. She was evil. Okay. So we, she had this system called tokens, right? Anytime we got the correct answer, get a token from my desk. So we would collect tokens and we're like, all right, I got a token. For if I get the wrong answer, put a token in on my desk. So we were like, we're like, oh no, it was a horrible. And I was so fearful of that lady. Like I was scared to even learn. I was like, we we're learning like multiplication at the time. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was like counting my fingers. And I was like, please don't pick me, please. I was like so fearful. It wasn't until my fourth grade teacher who then said, you can do this. You got this. That encouraging, those encouraging words made a big difference. I was like, thank you. And from that point on, I got honor roll. <laughs> I was getting D's and C's. Um, recently, I just, my husband told me that my stepson, they don't even grade with A's anymore, or B's and C's. I'm like, oh, they don't. I said, oh, because I was graded. I got F's and in like second grade. Heck, I'm in second grade. What's going on? So I understand what you're talking about with the whole conditioning. It's like we need to uh, deprogram ourselves and really then find our true self and our, our true spiritual being and who, what we're capable of, because we're capable of a lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot. And I just, that's just for like, for yourself telling your clients like, Hey, no, you can do it. Like that enough is encouragement. You know, then you have somebody that is like your cheerleader, like saying, yeah, you got this, you got this, go for it, go for it. And so thank you so much for bringing that up. I really like how you said that. That was beautiful. Now, um, now your book. <laughs> so there's Transform, the journey to becoming. What actually inspired you to create your book? Oh, gosh. Okay. So this was a book that I had no intentions on writing. Um, I had done a fast. Uh, I think it was a seven day fast. And during the fast, I started writing a book. And, and for those of you for fasting, I, I do fasting quarterly. And it's just part of like my mental, emotional, spiritual, everything cleansing. And during the fast, I started writing a book. I had an outline. I think I got through chapter one, the dedication, and it was going to be about me, um, my journey of leaving corporate to start a business. And I got to like chapter two, and then I heard Holy Spirit say, you need to write the other book. 
I was like, what? Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what other book? It was just like, you need to write the other book. So I sat with it and I just started writing. And it's really my journey, like through my life. And it was a very therapeutic uh, process, meaning that I would write a full day, I'd write a chapter, ball my eyes out until I had nothing left and was completely empty take a day off and then go back the next day. And so I wrote the book in 10 days uh, or at least the first draft in 10 days. And I didn't have any intentions on publishing it. At the time I was like, okay, this is like my most intimate, rawest things that I at the time like hadn't told anyone in 30 years. Um, And so I had no intentions on putting it out there. And I was also very intentional, even though there were some very traumatic things that happened to me, I also didn't want to write it from the standpoint of feeling like or being perceived as a victim, because I was looking at myself and what I endured as a child and everything else from a place of victory and from a place of triumph. Um, And through the lens of transformation and how all those things helped me to transform and become who I who I was. So long story short, I got to maybe after sitting on it for like three months, I got the the tug again. It was just like, you need to release this book. And I was just like, but no, what will people think? And here's the funny thing, Gina, I wasn't worried about what would people think if they heard that, you know, I suffered uh, sexual abuse and physical abuse and everything else. I was more concerned at the fact that I had built this life up until that point, built this life of, I just got stuff done, right? Like I was always the ambitious one. I was the eager beaver, like nothing hurt me, even though I just knew how to stuff it down, right? Like I just was always pushing forward. And my biggest fear was that the people who knew me closest wouldn't believe it because I had always showed up as this way that like all of these hidden, (laughs) hidden uh, uh, secrets, if you will, didn't align with the image that I had presented or the, um, the defense mechanism that I had created as a kid of who I was. So long story short, I got the tug and I finally realized that, you know what, Sabine, this isn't about you. This isn't about you at all. Um, If one person reads this and they see themselves in it and they gain hope, or they feel validated, or they, you know, they see some truth and and some hope in, in whatever capacity, then that's why you're doing this. And so that's why I released that book um, begrudgingly. Uh, but it, the funny thing is, as I released it, there were people that I knew in various capacities who took pieces away from the book where they were like, oh my gosh, like my mother was the same way or, oh my gosh, I experienced this too. And so it was beautiful to see that my story was one, not just my story. It was the story of a lot of different women. And even if it wasn't, you know, to the T that other people could relate and other people could find the answer to, oh, that's a different way of perceiving, you know, what I experienced. Yes. And you remind me, I have to, I just started, I just started writing my book too. Congrats. But it's been like three months since I've actually gone back to it. So maybe you're in my my life right now for like that, hey, you know, you need to get back on your book. Because <laughs> so yeah. I've been getting like signs and like the Holy Spirit also is say something like, hello, you know, I'll be even watching TikTok just because it's fun. Sometimes I there's a little guilty pleasure. And then there'll be a lady on there, you need to write your book. 
<laughs> like, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, the signs will come until they get louder and louder and louder. And then you will you will be sat down to a place where you have nothing else to do but write that book. Let's right. let's not let it get to that point. Right, exactly. So that's so great that you're able to write and be vulnerable. I think that's the most important thing is because a lot of people feel like they cannot share their story. Like for me, I had to hide my sexual molestation from, I was sexually molested uh, six to 12, but I hid that all the way up into my early twenties until I finally told my mom, finally told my siblings, finally told everybody because I had an intervention, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, the reason why I was like this is because of this probably, you know? And it was like, Ugh. but I kept that all inside of me for, but for us to then have it on paper out there published where people then can read, then they can feel like, hey, you know, I'm not by myself in this, you know, uh, I've gone through the same thing as she has gone through. And you do feel that comfort. And I feel like that community is so important also when you do get a bunch of women, like-minded women together who are supporting each other and not so much, you know, back in the day in the 90s, it was all about competition. You know, all my, all my friends were just like, well, why are you wearing that? Uh, those don't look good on you. Why is your hair that way? Why are you working out so much? Da -da 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 -da. It's like, those aren't your friends. Yeah. Those are haters. <laughs> Undercover haters. <laughs> Frenemies. Frenemies for sure. Yeah. And to that point, you know, I and part of why I do what I do today, what gave me the courage to actually say, okay, I can, I can write this story was the whole Me Too movement. Now, granted, I released the book in 2020. I started writing it in 2019, but it was watching, you know, going from one woman and obviously, you know, Hollywood took it over and whatever, but, or they started it, but you saw millions of women owning their voice for the very first time. Women who had stayed silent, who had eaten all their emotions, you know, had stuffed things down gain the courage to get on social media of all places and publicly bear themselves. Like that was, even though I didn't do it while the movement was happening, but that sowed a seed in me that said, okay, Sabine, you can tell your story. It's a safe space. And I think that that's why it's important that you do the work that you do and that I'm doing the work that I'm doing and all the amazing women who listen to your podcast are doing the work that we're doing because we never know who, who need, just needs that seed, who needs to hear like, wow, this is what she went through. This is the courage. And we need to see more of us modeling the truth because the truth be told, the older generation, they were very much grin it and bear it. Like we don't, we don't talk, we don't leave, uh, we don't share personal business or anything like that that we don't share emotions, we don't share anything. And I think the power in us being able to say, actually, no, <laughs> I am a human being. I have emotions, I have feelings, I have a voice. It's given a voice to Gen Z who they are very emotionally vulnerable. They are very expressive in what it is that they want, what it is that they care about. And so, you know, kudos to you. You're, I know you're gonna write the book and I know you're gonna put it out there but also kudos to you for the work that you're doing um, in sharing this side of what society is always like, oh, well, drinking is just, you know, it's part of life. Um, so you, you know, shedding the light on the reality of, yeah, it is part of life, but it can also be damaging. Right. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much. I appreciate that um, because it is damaging. <laughs> 
to damage the heck out of me. <laughs> but now it's a completely different life. Uh, like I'm looking back, like, wow, I really did die to myself. You know, like uh, old Gina is no longer there anymore. And it's just like, once I realized my true potential and then really surrendering to God and just saying, you know, I cannot do this by myself. I need your help. Like that was it. I got the help right away. Cause I was in the hospital two weeks later with pancreatitis, just sick as a dog and doctor telling me you're going to die in 10 years. If you're not, if you, if you don't quit drinking. So I had to make that, that choice. And it was beautiful because I was in a faith-based hospital. Uh, ironically, <laughs> I was even prayed over by a chaplain and like, I was by myself. It was me, God and the Holy spirit. Like it was, I mean, it's one, but <laughs> it was just myself by myself. And I had a lot of self-reflection. And so, yes, I'm anything with mindset and just self-development, personal growth. I'm all for that. And I appreciate all that you do. Um, is there anything, any future changes or advancements you anticipate in your field at all? Oh, that's a really great question. So when we look at it and the book that I just wrote, Leadership Reloaded, was a little bit more like on the professional side, right? So what's happening in corporate, what's happening in society. And so actually a huge major shift, we're, we're on the cusp of it. 2030 is estimated uh, to be a really, really big year or a really big year of transition for women in the sense that um, the boomers who make about 20% of the workforce now, so that's anyone between um, born between 1946 to 1964, they will all be in retirement at that point. And so when you think about traditional organizations, even our government, educational institutions, a lot of those people sitting in those seats are, you know, older white male boomers. And so that creates more space for women to um, move up the ladder, move up the ranks in all levels of our society, which is huge. The other piece that comes along with that is because the boomers are going to be retiring and, you know, his studies show that men tend to pass away uh, sooner than women. That means that as they're passing away, all that money is getting transferred into the hands of their widows, into the hands of their wives or whoever. And so it's a very pivotal moment for us in our society where we're going to see by, by natural human evolution, more women in leadership making decisions but also backed by the power that money brings so that they can make the impact. And so, you know, I've been sharing this since last year. Last year at the time, I was like, you know, six years, right? Six years is really not a lot of time. Um, when you look at the, the rate of pay, the pay gap for women now, it's like 80, per, 80 cents to the dollar. And that's if you're looking at a white woman, if it's a black woman, it's like 60, 62 cents. If it's a Hispanic woman, it's like 50, 50 something cents. And so, you know, we are in a place where we have been disadvantaged for so long and been like told and bought into a narrative of like, we don't belong at the seat at the table. We don't have the money a mindset shift, a collective mindset shift needs to happen for women now so that when 2030 gets here or as 2030 is evolving, we're not sitting there like, I'm not worthy. We're not dealing with all of our money baggage. We're not dealing with all of our insecurities. We're not taking on these identities and these labels of being the lesser being. And so, you know, I'm sharing this not to say that like, I'm definitely not a like him versus her type person, but it's more of, recognize the shifts that are happening in society around us and asking the questions now 
What am I going to do personally to get my money mindset right? What am I going to do right now to make sure that my, you know, my finances are in order or that, you know, if I have a husband and he's older or parents who are older, that they have wills in place, that they have, you know, all this documentation in place, because essentially the, the weight is, <laughs> the weight has always fallen on us, but now the weight is going to fall on us and we have the power to make the changes that are necessary. Wow. Yes. The, the consciousness, the, the human consciousness coming together and that's, that's amazing. Oh, I love it. Now people are probably blown away by you. <laughs> listening to this. Nice. My, my audience is mostly women. I have like maybe 10% men. <laughs> so mostly women. Um, where can my listeners find you? Yeah, great question. And thank you for that. It's It's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, so I am, I hang out on LinkedIn. Uh, so you can connect with me on LinkedIn. It's at Sabine Gideon. And also I have a podcast. It's currently as of today, as of the time of this recording, but it might change when it gets released. It's called She Leads Now. So you can always find it on she, under She Leads Now. However, we are rebranding uh, in celebration of our two-year anniversary, 100th episode. And the new name is going to be Women of Power, Purpose, and Prosperity. Oh, I love that. It's like the three Ps of manifestation that I say uh, is um, perseverance, uh, persistence, and oh my gosh, what is this third P? <laughs> And, 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 oh my gosh. Okay. Total like brain fart right now. <laughs> okay. It reminded me of that. And I love that title. I love it. I love it. Thank That's you. awesome. And any last thoughts or anything else you'd like to share? Yeah. And well, one, I'm going to reflect you back to you. Uh, thank you so much for creating this space, creating this platform. Um, you know, I, I truly believe that when people connect, it's for a particular reason. And what drew me to the show is the level of vulnerability, the level of openness and the level of consciousness and awareness that the guests that you have uh, come on here. And so, you know, thank you for doing this work. Thank you for uh, expanding more light and love into the world. Um, and certainly for those of you who are, are listening, if you have not sat back and asked yourself those two questions, who am I and what do I want? Um, I strongly suggest that you do the work. The answer may not, the answer will definitely not come to you easily, but it will be certainly worth it because when you can align with who you are meant to be in this world, you will serve us in such a greater capacity than you can ever imagine. Wow. Well, thank you for joining me on my show. It's been an honor and such a pleasure. And you've just brought so much light <laughs> to the world because <laughs> I have international people always uh, listening in, tuning in as well. So thank you so much, Sabine. It's been an honor. Thank you. Thank you, Gina. To my cherished listeners, from the very depths of my heart, thank you. Every single one of you who showered me with those warm five-star reviews, your kindness shines so brightly. And if you haven't yet, know that your voice and support always matter. Your unwavering love has lifted us onto Feedspot's esteemed list of best women's sobriety podcasts, and it truly warms my heart. With immense love and care, I've created something for you. Introducing the Overcoming Challenges mini course, 
crafted especially with the intention to guide and support you through life's varied phases because we all deserve gentle guidance as we navigate life's tides. Furthermore, I have two heartfelt gifts for our listener family. One is a seven-day challenge, a tender beginning for those curious about sobriety. The other, a personal sharing from my journey, a six-step blueprint towards an alcohol-free life. These are the steps I took, I embraced beyond AA and the traditional 12 steps that have nurtured my own sobriety journey. To embrace these tokens of gratitude and love, simply text GIFT, that's G-I-F-T, to 1-855-649-6196. Again, that's the word GIFT, G-I-F-T, at 1-855-649-6196. With all of my love and deepest gratitude, I cherish each and every one of you.